It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. On Friday, February 16th, 2018, 20-year-old Ryan Stuka finished working at Sun Peak Ski Resort in British Columbia, Canada. After work, he went home and later went to a silent disco at one of the local pubs. Later that same night, he would end up at a house not far from the pub, hanging out and drinking with some friends and roommates until the early hours of Saturday, February 17th. Sometime around 2 a.m., Ryan looked to be leaving the party, but would seemingly vanish without a trace into the snowy abyss of Sun Peaks. In this second episode, I talked to Gene Strong, the editor of Sun Peaks Independent News, about the town of Sun Peaks, and I continue my conversation with Heather about the days and weeks leading up to Ryan's disappearance. You're listening to a podcast for the missing with me, Tyler Hooper. And I think at that moment, well, in that moment, our, our lives changed forever, right? The girls were at home. Um, I called James and I had no better idea of what was going on at that point because I couldn't remember Sun Peaks. Where he lived, where the party was, um, I, I wasn't familiar with the area, um, and so I couldn't understand how you could leave a house and and be in, you know, like a city. If you think of a city, if I'm walking down the path, how can I get from one house around to the next house and go missing? And then you you recognize when you get up there that um, it's it's rural. It, the terrain is is uneven. There's so many trees up there. It's a ski resort. Right, and it's mountainous. Sun Peaks is a town and ski resort located about 45 minutes outside of Kamloops, BC. It's approximately a nine hour drive from Beaumont, Alberta, where Ryan grew up. Year round, there's less than a thousand people who call Sun Peaks home, but during the winter months, its population booms as seasonal workers and tourists flood the town to enjoy the slopes and the scenic outdoors. Gene Strong is the editor at Sun Peaks News and is no stranger to the community. I have been connected to Sun Peaks since I was a child, so I came up skiing here for pretty much my entire life. 
and then was even more connected to the community when I was going to university, about 45 minutes away. I moved up here full-time just after graduating from journalism school for the end of 2016. It's changed a lot in the last five or ten years. It's been a huge period of growth for the community, but it still has that very tight-knit group of core locals. And even as that group grows in numbers, people are still very um, very friendly. They know each other really well. Everyone bands together, which I really appreciate about the community. And other than that, I think it's a pretty typical small town. <laughs> yeah, the community has a very funny split between a big population of retired people who have worked their entire lives to be able to afford to live in a resort community and then the people that make that community tick um, with the boots on the ground. So all of those seasonal staff or, or full-time staff that work in restaurants and at the lifts and everything. So there's a huge culture of being outdoors. Obviously, we live in an amazing place. There's a lot of skiing and boarding. And then in the summer, huge mountain bike culture and hiking. But what comes with that really young population that really keeps the resort operating is also a very big party culture, which I think is really expected and found in any other resort community as well, where you have people who are here for a season or for a year or two who are living in not the best housing all the time, maybe staff housing, and you kind of run down rentals, and then there's that big party culture where that's what you do, especially in the winter. And when you drive from Cambridge to Sun Peaks, there's really one main road both in and out of the community. In the summer, there are some back road options, but as soon as the snow flies, you're on that one highway that comes up from Kamloops. It's curvy and snowy and kind of your typical road up to a mountain resort. The community is still quite small. It's what a lot of people describe Whistler as being about 25 years ago. There's a number of residential neighborhoods. The West Village is more of the area where locals tend to live. There's a lot of duplexes a lot of townhomes, and it's more affordable for most people who work in the community. And then typically, as you move towards the east end of the village, is where the newer developments are and where these larger single-family homes are kind of building out. And then after that, it's really just trees and, and a whole lot of back roads and forests and mountains until you get into the Shushwap area. As a reporter in a small town, you must be ready to report about anything. It's really the only way locals or visitors get information about what's going on. And like any town, there's crime. Prior to Ryan's disappearance, crime was something that occurred in Sun Peaks. But it was mostly predictable and not usually very dramatic. Being a reporter in Sun Peaks is much like being a reporter um, at any small town across the province. For the most part, we have municipal politics. We have lots of events to cover because we're a tourist destination. We have thrilling small town stories about missing pets and debates about whether or not we should add speed bumps. We have debates on if we should add a stoplight in town or if that would ruin the ambiance. So while these reporting is very important for the community and gives people information that directly impacts them that they wouldn't get from a, a news source in Kamloops or on a provincial level, for the most part, it's basic day-to-day reporting rather than huge, like, political or other pieces that you would see on from bigger outlets. Before Ryan went missing, when I was working at the newspaper, we did cover some crime. 
we, in the shoulder seasons, were often the target of break-ins from communities or from people who will come in from outside of the community because they know that more homes are empty and there's no people around to watch them or catch them. So pretty much like clockwork, every spring and every fall, we get a rash of break-ins and everyone has to lock their cars and lock their doors, which doesn't always happen up here. There have been a couple of missing people or missing groups of people, but for the most part, that was people who had skied out of bounds got lost, got stuck in the woods, search and rescue came out, and they were found within a few hours. And there was always that happy ending. There was one winter where it seemed to happen like every couple of weeks, people were going on the bounds and, and getting lost and being reported missing and being searched for. But every single time they were found within, I don't know, by the next day, by the morning, they had been taken off the mountain. I'm going to resume my conversation with Jean about Ryan's disappearance in a future episode. But before I get there, I want to talk about Ryan's time in Sun Peaks prior to his disappearance. Ryan drove up to Sun Peaks at the beginning of December. He quickly made friends with co-workers and roommates and he began to flourish. So much so that he actually ended up spending Christmas there. I think we, I thought he was going to be homesick, right? I thought um, he'll want to come home, he want to do the same traditions. And we were looking at the dates that he would have off. So I think he had the 24th and the 25th off or the 25th and 26th. He had the two days off in a row, but that was it. And so I thought, okay, because I work for an airline, I'll book you a flight to come home. Um, You can come home Christmas Eve. You'll get in a little bit late. And then, um, and then you can leave and spend Christmas and leave the next day. And he was sort of hummed and on. He's like, well, why don't you come up here? But he really wanted us to come up so he could see Oscar, the dog. I was like, well, it's a little more expensive for us to come up as a family to come up to, to some peaks. It's, it's Christmas time, it's ski season, and it's not an expense that we could, we could, we could afford or either fathom trying to, to put together at short notice. And so he hummed and hawed and then he's like, no, I just don't think I'm going to have enough time. And I, you know, and in my mothering uh, mind, I'm thinking, Oh, he's going to be so um, upset. He's going to home. He's going to miss us so much. He's going to be homesick. And, um, we talked to him on Christmas day. He had, he had one of his best Christmases. He was thrilled. I mean, he was happy to talk to us. Uh, I was worried that he wouldn't have the stocking, you know, at the foot of the bed. He wouldn't do the same traditions. And he woke up and he goes, no, he goes, um, we're having, um, a potluck. Me, he called them his mates. I think because there's so many uh, of them were from Australia. So me and my mates are going to, um, have a potluck and we're going to go uh, snowboarding today. And then we're going to, we're doing, um, me and my mates are doing a, a gift exchange. And then we're going to have potluck and then uh, we're going to do some skiing. And he was happy. He had a great, great Christmas. I was the one that cried because, you know, I'm missing him. Um, but he was happy uh, to have, to be up there with his, and he had sent pictures and we saw pictures of him on Christmas day, all dressed up in his Christmas sweater, his ugly Christmas sweater. And again, I, sometimes I go back when I think about things and I think him not coming home prepared us for the next year that we knew he was not coming home, right? A year since he had left. And so the very first Christmas when we knew we were without him, not that it was easier to bear, um, but I could almost in the back of my mind pretend that he was still on Sun Peaks hanging out with his mates. 
Hello, nerds. Come listen to the History Nerds United podcast, and let's make history fun again. We interview today's best authors, whether they are established Pulitzer Prize winners or someone debuting their first book. Let us show you that history is not a boring class you took in high school, but a place where the best stories come from. And we don't just cover history. We also love to chat about true crime, biographies, memoirs, and so much more. So head on over to History Nerds United, and let us introduce you to your new favorite book and learn the story behind the story. History Nerds United. By all accounts, it seemed that Ryan was relishing in his time at Sun Peaks. Heather says that he was up every morning early, hitting the slopes with his snowboard before having to start his shift as a tube operator. Heather says that through their almost daily correspondence, Ryan seemed happy. Scott talked to him uh, quite a bit. He would uh, call him all the time, and Ryan would, they would have lengthy conversations, and, and Ryan told him, you know, he'd been up, he, he'd work, he'd have, I think, Sundays and Mondays off. And so, but his shift was 11 or 11.30 till 7 or 7.30. And so he would, he told Scott, he, would, he was up early 36 days in a row so he could snowboard before he, you know, he snowboarded 36 days in a row. So he would get up and honestly, he was late to work. I think they said every single day, he was like one or two minutes late because he would take that last ski run up and take the last run down and hope to time it so that he could be right there. And he'd come in and he'd throw off his uh, snowboarding and get into his, um, boots so that he could uh, work the tea time for the, re- or the tube time for the rest of the day. And they, they'd laugh and they, and despite all the fact that he was late two or three minutes every single day, they wanted to make him a supervisor. And he was like, you know what, for 75 cents an hour more, I don't want the extra responsibility. He wanted to snowboard. And so he did that and he was happy about that. I would send him um, direct messages on Instagram and he is sometimes, you know, at, at 20, almost 21, is he going to text his mom right away? No, he typical average boy, not going to send a lot of responses back. So sometimes it would take him a couple of, of hours. Sometimes it'd be a day before he'd respond back to uh, my messages. And that was okay. I was okay with that. But if I wanted something immediate from him, I just had to send him a picture of the dog on direct message or something for the dog. And he'd come back me right away but it was because I would text him at nine o'clock in the morning when you get up and you're you know drive the kids to school and you're sitting down and I'd send him a little something and he would respond I'm like gosh you're up awful early Ryan and he goes I don't want to get in the habit of sleeping in which I thought was kind of a weird thing because you're not working until 11 but he'd get up and uh, go snowboarding as soon as the hill opened as Ryan continued his life in Sun Peaks, Heather and the family began to miss him. They started to think about visiting him, but Heather was recovering from an injury, which delayed any plans to visit Ryan until the new year. They began to plan for a visit at the end of February or sometime in early March. We were talking about going up in January. We were looking at it, and he had a friend um, from here uh, go up, and they had spent a couple of days, and he had really enjoyed himself at that time. And... For me, it was a little more difficult because I had ruptured my other Achilles tendon. And so I was pretty much housebound for most of um, April or most of December. I wasn't even partially walking until mid-December. So it made things really difficult. So in January, I went to see my mom in Florida and spend, I think I spent three or four weeks there 
just because there was no ice and I was able to get out uh, and walk around and not worry about slipping and falling on ice. And so I thought, all right, I'll come back in January and I'll go see him um, in February before I go back to work. And so that was always really the plan. And then, you know, Valentine's Day comes and I'm thinking, okay, once that comes, we'll, we'll go up and see him maybe later in February, early in March. And then that opportunity um, never came for us. But the Stukas would not get to visit Ryan in Sun Peaks. The last time they would see Ryan's face before he went missing was on Valentine's Day, February 14th, when Ryan video dialed them to catch up. Heather would send him texts the following day, but on February 17th, Heather sent Ryan a text that would be left unread. Valentine's Day, who knew that would be the last time that we would, we, I would see his face, you know, talk to him and see his face, but normally um, he didn't FaceTime a whole lot with you. He texts you, um, he talked a little bit on the phone, but didn't FaceTime because he's out doing stuff. And, and I got that, and, and there's no judgment or, or disappointment there. But on February 14th, he actually sat down and talked to all of us. The girls got a chance to say hi to him. They got a chance to talk to him, and he had a smile on his face, and he was he was great with the girls. He was friendly with the girls, loving with the girls. He listened to us. He laughed with us, all of that. So that was our very last conversation was on Valentine's Day. And then, you know, of course, I would have sent him something um, on the 15th, like, I love you. And I did send something on the 16th. And then again, I did send something on the 17th. And the 17th message um, was never read. Almost everyone I've talked to, including Heather, seems to think Ryan was having the time of his life in some peaks prior to his disappearance. But Heather admits, you can never fully know what's going on with your kids, no matter how much you try. Heather says that through their correspondence and interactions, Ryan seemed to be thoroughly enjoying his life in Sun Peaks. If anything was wrong, he didn't talk about it. I mean, it's always a strange one to ask a parent, I suppose. Uh, unless you are a parent of a younger child and you have your, the finger on, on, on the pulse of whatever they're doing, all their activities, um, you're knowledgeable about all their comings and goings and their and everything that they're experiencing. You, you have a better sense when they're younger. Of course, as they hit teenage years, you realize that you're less, in, I don't want to say less important, you're less involved. And that's not um, because you don't choose as a parent to be involved. The, the sort of um, things that they will reveal to you um, become a lot more private. So they'll share what they want to share, but a lot of those things that they keep to themselves unless it's something that they, they absolutely need. So as Ryan was going through his teenage years, I mean, we never had any problems with him. Um, I never had, um, you know, he wasn't disrespectful. He didn't break curfew. We never had to discipline him in that sort of sense. He never gave us trouble in any, in any form. But with that comes that sense of identity growing into an adulthood where, you know, sharing all of the details of your life are not as important to your parents. So do I think that he was happy? Yes. I mean, every indication um, that he gave us, he was enjoying himself. Um, he, he liked the friends that he had. He liked the job that he was, he was doing. Um, but does that mean that I know everything about that uh, time period just based on what he told me? Not at all. I don't. I don't necessarily believe that. But by all accounts, his friends um, 
and and not just roommates, but his friends that he knew and the people around, he seemed um, very happy with what he was doing. This next clip is very important. It's a detailed explanation from Heather about Ryan's movements from Friday, February 16th, until he was last seen sometime around 2 a.m. on Saturday, February 17th. As we know, Ryan showed up to work on the 16th. He finished his shift, he went home, and then he went out with some friends. He'd end the night at a house party. The 16th was a Friday, and he had worked his day, and so he had gone to work uh, at normal time. And then somehow, uh, during his time uh, away, during the day at work, he got paid, and so he went online during the day, made his uh, rent payment, made his um, uh, phone payment and uh, bill payments that he had to do for, you know, his car and and all the rest of the stuff. So he w- he went on to do that. He also took out um, money that day so that he didn't. He was going out to the bar, or if he went Friday and Saturday night, he didn't. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I like to use his debit card. He always felt that he spent, um, he couldn't keep track of his money if he kept just buying drinks and putting them on a tab. So he'd pay for everything in cash. So that way he knew. Um, And so he had taken money out and then finished his shift like normal. Um, One of his friends from Australia that lived in staff accommodations had called him and said, look, do you mind giving me a ride back to staff com? Because it was quite cold out that day. And most of them don't have cars, so they have to they have to either wait for the shuttle bus or um, walk. And so his friend was not feeling well and said, "Hey, do do you mind um, driving uh, driving me home?" And Ryan's like, "No problem." So they stopped at the market that was there so that he could pick up whatever he needed, whether it was chicken noodle soup or something like that, because he wasn't feeling well. And then Ryan uh, drove him to uh, staff com and and i remember um him saying to us you know ryan asked like are you sure buddy you don't want to you don't want to come out tonight like it's going to be fun and his friend just said no mate like i just i don't feel well and i'll catch up with you later and his friend i think feels a certain amount of guilt because why didn't you why i think he feels like if he had gone out even though it has nothing to do with him. But if he felt like if he went out, maybe none of this would have happened, right? That There's that guilt that comes from knowing something uh, in hindsight, I suppose. So Ryan went home uh, and I, I think came in 
um, was able to maybe grab something small to eat or whatever. They they drank um, a, a bit and then got a um, – they don't have lifts or Ubers or cabs at that time up in Sun Peaks. So what they'd have is um, people that were looking to make extra money. So you could call them and they would drive you up and you would just donate money for them to so you didn't have to walk. So they had somebody drive them up to the back up to the village where at bottoms the um one of the restaurants and pubs had um was having silent disco so they went over to the next door neighbor where the bar which is called masses and that's the resort where um you get your your ski uh equipment and lifts it's all part of that sort of um facility so they went there while they were waiting to get into uh, bottoms because there was a lineup and so once they were able to see they went in they gave their driver's license to the coat check um girl and then got a set of headphones and then they had their um their silent disco and so the very last picture that uh, that we know to date that has been taken of ryan was he was actually at that silent disco that night and i find such comfort in it because if you look at the picture i mean his eyes are smiling his face is smiling. He just, he looks happy in that picture. And I suppose um, if that's the last image that I have of that particular night, then I'm, I'm happy. It's one that um, shows that he was having a great time where he was. So after they finished uh, the, uh, the bar closed at one, they gave in their um, headphones, got their driver's license back out, and then they left uh, to walk back down to... Um, the bottom where most of the staff accommodation is. So if either have the staff accommodations provided by the resort, there's also um, down in that Burfield area, there's a lot of housing that has, at first thought, we thought they were uh, duplexes, but then when you look, they're actually um, fourplexes. So they all have basement suites. And so a lot of the staff live down there because it's a little bit cheaper than being higher up um on the on the resort where the houses are a little more at that time were a little more expensive, uh, a little bit bigger. These ones were um, a, a smaller duplexes that were down there, and so they were walking down. And I think one of the shuttle buses that drives up to drop off um, guests or passengers that were coming in off the last flights that were coming up to Sun Peaks, they have a shuttle that comes up and then the shuttle heads back down to Kamloops. And I think this shuttle driver saw a bunch of like 14 or 15 people walking in the, in the freezing cold and they picked them up and took them the 10 minutes down to the, to the um, beginning of the resort and then dropped them off. So some people would have gone to their houses. Some would have gone back to staff accommodations and some of them decided that they were going to carry on to, a place on Burfield called the Sunday Funday House. That was one of the places that um, was rented by lift operators. And so they were going there um, to see if there was um, sort of a gathering or house party. And that's where they ended up until Ryan left. Heather says most of the people at the party knew each other. There were drugs and alcohol involved, but this isn't really anything out of the ordinary for a party, especially at a ski resort. If you've ever lived or visited one of these towns, you can quickly discover that the young people there work hard. They also play really hard as well. 
it wouldn't be unusual to find Ryan and his friends blowing off some steam on a Friday night. I mean, people always misconstrue, they always say party, and I suppose it was, but um, it's really just um, the uh, lifties or resort uh, people that were down there, people that lived in the area. The, the parties were not where, you know, somebody that was renting a place was had invited a whole bunch of people over. So most of these people, if they did not know Ryan, they knew somebody that he was with or somebody else knew something along that line. So they, they tended to know each other by sight if they didn't actually know everybody. And there was about three houses that they would go to and they would rotate um, when they would have gatherings. And so when you think of that night... I look at it and go, okay, you've got Ryan and and his group coming in. There was uh, nine of them that he knew uh, that when he was in, so him including to be the ninth, they were in there. And so some of the people in that house obviously had been drinking. Some people had been doing drugs. Some people would have been doing drinking and probably had drugs. And then there were some that were completely sober. And they came in throughout the night at different times. So depending on whether or not um, you didn't have to work and you were there earlier, if you went to the silent disco and you came a little bit later, some people would have worked and finished their shifts at either the bar or at the hotel and and came and they were sober coming into the... So there was sort of uh, people coming in and out, I think, throughout the evening until about 2.30 or something, and it was almost completely shut down. There was nobody in the house unless somebody knew who they were. Uh, and so that's where they sort of ended up. And then w- when you think about that, Ryan was with his group, him and eight other people. And so James left first to go home. And again, I think the timing, you know, people always want to pin down that time. They always they don't understand how people cannot be more specific. But when you have people that have no idea what's going to happen next, what's going to happen the next day or the uh, Who's going to remember something unless you tell them specifically this is about to happen? You need to remember everything about your surroundings. So they would have been drinking and or doing drugs or and or doing both. And so their their recalling of the events is always going to be a little bit hazy. They're going to contradict themselves. They're not going to understand what they're, you know, they're, they're saying the time won't feel well. They don't know exactly what they're doing. And so that has always been for us a, a, an issue in the sense that it's hard to get that, the hard facts. So he was there. James left first to go home and obviously made it. Uh, and then his roommates, they were a boyfriend, girlfriend. They got up uh, with another um, friend and said, Hey, we're going home. And Ryan, they, according to them stood up like, okay, I'm, I'm going to, I'm coming with you because that's his roommates. That's the people that he hung out with. And they thought he was going to get his coat on. And so they just continued and just walked out the door. And so they walked and then it's minus 26. So I think of what I would do. Um, even walking in my small town or city of Beaumont, if we're at a place and we, we've gone out for the night and we're walking home. I would walk home by myself and nobody thinks anything of that, right? Because I'm an adult. Um, but well, uh, you walk home, you've got your head down, your hands in your pockets, and you're you're just beelining to get wherever you're going to go. And I, I, I believe that's what they did. And then at some point they turned around to say, okay, like, is Ryan here? And they looked and he wasn't. And I think at that point either... They thought maybe he stayed. He decided he wasn't going to come home. 
I, I don't know if they ever thought about it or he just, he's got caught up and he's going to catch up with us. But it's really not a long walk from where they was, where they were to where they had to be. And they had walked that before and he's almost 21. I would, if, if they were a bunch of 13 year olds that were on a rural road somewhere, I would say, yeah, you guys should have stayed together. But how do you say that to adults when, when, you know, we're not really responsible for somebody else if they make that decision would they have gone back and say hey like why didn't you come with me um are you coming right now i don't think they had any reason to worry and so they just went on home james is his roommate they had the same bed uh, bedroom so they had bunk beds and so um james was sleeping um, some of Ryan's roommates um, were there and they had some friends over. Mm-hmm. And then the two, the boyfriend and girlfriend just went to bed and nobody thought anything of it. When Ryan didn't show up for work the next day, his friends weren't immediately concerned. It was out of character. Ryan rarely, if ever, missed work. But he had been partying the night before, so maybe he slept in. Maybe he met a girl and went home with her. Or maybe he is out on the slopes and something happened to him. He could have gotten lost or hurt and he'll show up sometime later in the day. And of course, the next day, Ryan's supposed to go to work. So whenever they wake up in the morning, they don't think anything of it. And so probably, and and I'm not always sure about the story um, in the sense of if I'm telling it right. But my, my understanding is, is about um, 1130 or so. Um, one of the co-workers, Orion, or maybe his manager had texted um, the roommates and said, hey, like, we really need Ryan today. Like, he better not, like, he, like he's showing up. He better not not come. And just checking in with him. And uh, they, they're they like, uh, oh, he's not at work. Well, like, he's not here. And so I think at that point they were like, okay, well, check to see. And I think at that they were then, hey, like, is he there? Is he not there? They called to see if he had stayed at the house, I guess, or called friends and nothing. And so they then texted the um, the, the manager back. But I don't believe she answered her text until 7 o'clock that night, so until she was finished her shift. So I think at that point, if I understand it correctly, they just assumed he had gone to work. They didn't, they didn't go into it. I mean, his... His snowboard, I think, was still in the car. So maybe they didn't look for that or see if he had taken the appropriate stuff. I don't think they they looked that far. And it wasn't until she texted back and said he didn't show up at all today. That's when I think they started getting worried because it's completely out of character for him. But when Ryan didn't come home at all that day, his friends began to worry. They started to look for him, calling around to see if anyone had seen him. They hadn't. It wouldn't be till later that evening that the Stukas would receive a text that would shatter the reality. So even if he's a couple minutes late, like we expect him to be doing that last run, um, you know, by 12, uh, that that would have been way past whatever he would have done previously. And so um, at that point, then they started putting that the bulletins out going on the Sun Peak Survivors uh, uh, uh uh, Facebook site to see has anybody seen him or just looking like anybody know anybody going to the hospital. I think they checked around uh, and called people that they knew or at the party that they knew and nothing. Cause I think as, as improbable as it sounded, we all just wanted to believe that perhaps he had gone home 
with somebody else and passed out there and just skipped the whole whole day and just didn't and his phone died and just didn't want to be in contact with anybody. I think that's what you want to believe. I mean, because everything else is seems unbelievable and improbable. You just you can't imagine it. So you'll grasp onto whatever thing sounds logical, and that's what we we all did, even though not one of us believed that could be the case. So then I think at that point they checked around, and got no response, and that's when they called the hospital to see if anybody had been taken down to um, to Kamloops, which is forty five minutes away. And there was nobody uh, brought to any of the emergency rooms there that they that would have fit Ryan's description. And at that point, I think that's when they decided to phone the police. And then immediately after that, we got the text message. And I didn't think anything of it. We had been out all day um, with uh, Jordan and doing ring, ringettes. We were back and forth and finally came in. I was texting somebody else. And then I get, we always call James Jimmy James. Um, so uh, my husband always makes up names. So that's what we've always called him. And so that comes up on my, on my phone, Jimmy James. And so I was like, oh, I wonder why. And I didn't think anything of it. I didn't, I don't know why I didn't think it was strange on a Saturday night that Ryan's friends would, Ryan's friend was be texting me at all. I have no idea, uh, except that he worked at the airport where I worked. And so, um, you know, he he would finish his shift, and if I was working the late night shift, and he finished at eleven, sometimes he would go to Tim Hortons and pick me up um, a tea, and then he'd come up and he'd sit in my office and chat with me for a little bit while I finished up paperwork, and then he would go home. Right, so so it's not like I didn't know him, and it's not like he probably wouldn't have texted, but not to ever really say hi, how are you doing? But I, for some reason, I just, I didn't I didn't think of it, and so. I didn't look at it immediately as it came in. I was finishing my texting and then um, I'm like, okay, I'll just, I wonder what Timmy James wants. Maybe send me a picture of him and Ryan doing something stupid. And then as soon as I, I read it, Scott's in the kitchen and I'm reading a little bit of it and I'm reading it out loud, except my mind is reading it a lot faster than my mouth is. So I'm sort of stumbling over all of the words. And, um, and the, the message basically said, hey, Heather, um, Ryan didn't show up for work today and he didn't come home last night. We've called the, um, the police uh, to file a, a report. They should be contacting you soon. Just wanted to give you a heads up. And I'm, I'm reading it and I'm stumbling over everything. And Scott's like trying to listen to my half ramble, but I know, but I don't say it out loud sort of thing that I'm doing. And so he's like, wait a minute, like, what do you say? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Can you read it? Because I don't know if I can say it again. And so as soon as he said that, he goes, call James and find out what's happening. And I'm going to call the police. And I think at that moment, well, in that moment, our, our lives changed forever, right? The girls were at home. Um, I called James and I had no better idea of what was going on at that point because I couldn't remember Sun Peaks where he lived, where the party was. Um, I, I wasn't familiar with the area. Um, and so I couldn't understand how you could leave a house and, and be in, you know, like a city. If you think of a city, if I'm walking down the path, how can I get from one house around to the next house and go missing? And then you, you recognize when you get up there that um, it's, it's rural. The terrain is, is uneven. There's so many trees up there. It's a ski resort. Right. And it's mountainous. 
And so even when he's trying to tell me, I'm like, okay, what have you guys done? Like, have you gone, like, like he, it should be an easy from the path that you're going to here. You should be able to f- find him. Like what, I don't, I don't know what you're doing. And, um, so he, he really didn't have much more information. And, and at that point when Scott was talking to the RCMP officer, Scott's like, well, okay, you're out there with a the canine unit right now. Should my wife and I come? And of course the, the, um, constable on the other end, I, I can't say, but you know, you, you might want to come, but just drive safely. And so at that point, Scott's like, yeah, we're, we are leaving right now. If you know anything about Ryan's disappearance, I urge you to contact Kamloops RCMP at 250-828-3000 and quote file number 2019-5071. You can also leave an anonymous tip if you call Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-TIPS or submit your tip online to kamloopscrimestoppers.ca. On the next episode, I'll talk about the search for Ryan and those involved in it. I'm going to leave you with a clip from that episode. Thanks for listening to a podcast for the missing with me, Tyler Hooper. His house um, where he lived um, was very close to where the party house was. And there was really only two or three different routes he could have taken to get there. And really obvious routes. Um, There was lots of snow um, the night before he disappeared. And the snow was really soft and deep, so to actually leave any paths or trails um, would have been really obvious. Even if he had stumbled or fallen off a path, uh, it should have been really obvious. Um, So kind of pretty early on, it really felt like we had a mystery. Uh... Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.